Well, this morning we are picking up where we left off uh, back in March. We are going to work our way through uh, the rest of 1 Corinthians. And you'll remember in the book of Corinthians, we've talked about in some ways it's a, a church primer on dealing with church problems because this is a church that was filled with problems. We've already seen just as way of recap from before, divisions in the church, people following after different men, uh, the treatment of Christian leaders. We've seen pride and boasting, uh, sexual immorality going on in the church and being accepted, lawsuits, believers suing one another, issues in marriage, issues with the unmarried and the widow. We've looked at food being offered to idols, and we ended up last time with a warning against idolatry. Back many years ago when Calvin Coolidge was president of the United States, he invited a bunch of people from his hometown to come to Washington, D.C. for a big dinner that he was giving. And as the group was traveling there, they were talking with one another, and they said, you know what, we've never been to this type of dinner before. Uh, we don't really know exactly what we are to do and what we are not to do. And so as they talked about it, they decided that what they would do is they would watch the president, and whatever the president did, that's what they would do at the dinner. And everything went well all the way through the dinner. After the dinner was over, they served coffee to everyone. And they watched the president as he took the coffee that was in his cup and he lifted it off the saucer and poured some of the coffee onto the saucer. So they thought this was a bit strange, but they all did exactly the same thing. And then he took a little cream and he added it to the saucer and he took a little sugar and he added it to the, the saucer and he stirred it up a little bit. And then he set the saucer down on the floor and called for his cat to come and drink. <laughs> Following others. Imitating others. It can be good if you've chosen the right people to follow, and it can be good if we follow them with the right qualifiers in place. And we're going to see that this morning. Take your Bibles with me and join me in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to be picking up with verse 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Now, in our message this morning, we are going to go from chapter 10, verse 14, over to chapter 11, verse 1. Remember, the divisions in our Bibles, the chapters and verses, have been put there by men. They're not part of what is inspired. They have been put there to help us so that as we're reading the Bible or as we're doing it as a group, we can help one another get to the same place we are in the text. 
Imagine if I just said, hey, go to the book of 1 Corinthians and turn into the text to where the apostle Paul is uh, talking about uh, idols and not following idols, how long it would take everybody to get there. That's why we have chapters and verses. But they're not always broken in exactly the right place, and there's differences of opinion about that. So this morning, we are actually going to start with the last verse that we're looking at this morning, chapter 11, verse 1, because it sums up this section, and it sums up, I believe, everything that has been written up to this point in the book of 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians 11, 1, it says this, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Follow Christ. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And actually, this is a repeat statement from what Paul has said earlier in the book. In 1 Corinthians 4.16, he says to them, I urge you then, be imitators of me. And here in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he puts the qualifier on it, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. You see, Paul is saying to the people there in Corinth, you need to follow me, you need to follow my example. He repeats it again here, but as he repeats it, he says, you be followers of me, as I am of Christ. See, the one that we're ultimately following is Jesus Christ. We should never totally and completely, without any qualifiers, follow after any man. Men will fail you. Men will disappoint you. The Lord Jesus Christ will never fail you. He will never disappoint you. So even if you have someone who has poured into your life someone who's discipling you, and you want to be like him, and he's a good example to follow. You do that as long as that individual is following Christ. And if that individual veers off from following the Lord Jesus Christ, then don't follow him in that way. There are too many examples of Christian leaders who have started off well, but then have ended poorly. And following them when they're following Christ is the right thing to do. But if they cease to follow after Christ, then we should cease to follow after them. You know, one of the prayers uh, that I personally pray to the Lord is the prayer that I might finish well, that I might live my life to the end and not do something dumb or stupid or foolish because there are too many Christian leaders who have done that and have discredited their ministries. We need to keep our eyes fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ. So summing up everything that we're going to see here this morning can be summed up by saying, keep your eyes on Jesus. Follow as a person follows after Christ. Now, as we jump back 
to chapter 10, verse 14, Paul is going to tell us that what we need to do is to flee idolatry. Flee idolatry. Follow along, beginning with verse 14. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body. For we all partake of the one bread. Consider the people of Israel. Are not those who eat the sacrifices participants in the altar? What do I imply then? That food offered to idols is anything? Or that an idol is anything? No. I imply that what pagans sacrifice, they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Flee idolatry. In the section right before verse 14, in those first 13 verses of chapter 10, the Apostle Paul had used the nation of Israel and how they had fallen into idolatry as an example of what they should not do. So Paul, when he says in verse 14, therefore, in light of what the people of Israel did, in light of the judgment that came upon them for their refusal to follow the Lord, for their involvement in idolatry, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Now, we need to keep in mind for us today, what is an idol? It's an idol, an idol is anything that we would put before God. An idol is anything that we dedicate ourselves to that is more important to us than God. Flee idolatry. Don't put anything before God. Now, Paul, in verse 16, says to them, the cup of blessing that we bless, he's talking about their participation in the Lord's Supper. In that supper, we take of the cup and we eat of the bread. And when we do so, as believers together, we are participating in the body of Christ. And in the Lord's Supper, in communion, that is a beautiful picture of the church being united together in Christ. As we do this together, we do it as one body. But he reminds them, in verse 17... Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. He says, consider the people of Israel. Are not those who eat the sacrifices participants 
in the altar. In the Old Testament, they would bring their animals to the priest for the priest to offer that. And a portion of the animal would be used by the priest that was there for them to sacrifice to the Lord. There was a portion that the people got. And they were participating in the sacrifice that was being made. He said, in the same way, we participate when we take of the Lord's table. And then he goes, because he's making a point about fleeing idolatry and the idols that were present there in Corinth in verse 19. He says, what do I imply then? That food offered to idols is anything or that an idol is anything? Remember, there's a big issue in the church and that's over the eating of meat that has been offered to idols. And Paul is making it clear, first of all, that an idol is not anything. In and of itself, if you make something out of wood or stone and you worship, there is nothing to that. On the surface, an idol is not anything. It's not going to answer your prayers. It's not going to provide for you. In the same way, things that we make as idols are not going to sustain us spiritually. He says, no. He says, an idol is not anything. Verse 20, I imply that pagan sacrifice, they offer to demons and not to God. Behind any idol, and the idols that the people of Israel uh, made their offerings to, the idols that were there in Corinth, what is behind all of this false worship? It's the work of Satan. Remember our series on Satan when we talked about what does Satan want? He wants us to worship him rather than to worship God. He wants to replace God. So whatever he can do, he's going to do. Though the idol is nothing in and of itself, the idol was made to divert you from worshiping the true God. And in worshiping those idols, people are worshiping demons. I would contend that behind every false religion in the world, there is demonic activity involved in it. And so Paul is saying, I don't want you to be participants with demons. Verse 21, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Shall we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? He says you've got to make a choice. You can't worship God and something else. You must choose between the two. So flee idolatry. Then he says, seek the good of your neighbor. Verse 23. Are all things lawful? All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. 
If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are despised, you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any questions on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it for the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks? Now, look at Paul's argument here as he tells us we are to seek the good of our neighbor. He says, all things are lawful. And in saying that, he is not saying that things that violate the commandments of God are lawful. He's talking about those things that do not break the direct commands of God. All things are lawful. And he's made this argument earlier in the book. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. So as we consider things, whether we will do them or not do them, we have to ask some questions. The first question would be, obviously, does this violate the word of God? If it violates the word of God, then we should not be doing it. That's very clear. But now let's move into that realm to where the Bible doesn't directly speak about things. All things are lawful, Paul says, but are they helpful? When we go to do something, we need to ask ourselves that question. Is this going to help me as a Christian, or is this going to hinder me as a Christian? Will this be helpful to me? The second question we need to ask is this. Will this build me up? Will it build others up? If it's not going to build us up or build others up, we probably shouldn't do it. Are we seeking the good of our neighbor, or is this all about me personally? And so Paul delves in and digs in to the issue that was on the minds of many of the Corinthians that relates to this meat, meat that is sold in the marketplace, and meat that has been offered to idols, and what should they do as Christians? Should they eat it, or should they not eat it? Now keep in mind, we are to keep in mind our neighbor and the good of our neighbor. Now notice what Paul says, verse 25. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. So if you're going to the meat market... You go over to Dumas this week and you ask, get some meat. Don't go there and ask, has this been offered to idols? Don't ask that. You go to the grocery store. We'll give equal time to others. Acme, Giant Eagle, wherever you go to get your meat. 
Don't go in and ask the, 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 the butcher, hey, has this been offered to idols? It's meat. It's there. If you want it, buy it. But don't ask questions or you may not be able to buy it. That's what Paul is telling him. He says, then if an unbeliever, and notice this is an unbeliever, an unbeliever invites you over for dinner and he gets out these great big juicy steaks that he's cooked and he's grilled for you. And he doesn't say anything to you about this meat and where it came from. Paul is saying, enjoy your steak, dig right in and enjoy it. I'm sorry to you vegetarians. We'll say if he brings his mushrooms for you and you can dig, you can dig, you can dig right in. Don't ask, was this offered to an idol or not offered to an idol? You're there in his home. Whatever he brings to you, eat what he brings to you. But if you sit down to eat and the unbeliever says to you, hey, these are really great steaks and you know, I got a real bargain at the, at the meat market because these were dedicated to Diana. And this is part of the sacrifice that people brought to Diana. So let's enjoy our meat together. Paul says, in that case, do not eat of the steak. It's kind of like saying, you are making it clear that you are not going to participate in the worship of an idol. And see, Paul's point again is, if we participate in the sacrifice that was made, it's part of their worship to their God. So we should refrain from eating that meat if they make the point that this was offered to a false God. He says, do that for the conscience, not your own, because Paul has already said, if you're there, you know, in the meat market, you can buy this meat. Just don't ask questions uh, about it. But you're concerned about your neighbor because you want your lost neighbors to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And you don't want to send the wrong message to them. That is the issue. Uh, and, you know, it comes today to us in many different forms in which we're asked, can Christians do this? Can Christians do this? Can Christians do? Fill in the blank of things that people may ask you about that the Bible is not clear upon. If the Bible is not clear upon, then we have to ask those questions. Is it helpful? Will it build up? Will it be to the good of my neighbor? See, Paul has twice been making this argument. In 1 Corinthians 6, 12, he said, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. And then again here, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Seek the good 
of your neighbor. And then he says, do all to God's glory. Verse 31, so then, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I try to please everyone in everything, I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. Do all to God's glory. Paul's goal here is that others may come to know Christ. So he says, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, make sure you're doing it to God's glory. Not out of selfishness for yourself, because you're concerned about others, but do everything to the glory of God. And give no offense. And who are we not to give an offense to? He gives us three different groups that we're not to give an offense to. Don't give offense to the Jews. The Gentile believers were being asked to abstain from certain things because it was an offense to Jewish people. So don't give offense to the Jews or to the Greeks or other Gentiles, is what he's saying. Don't give offense to other Gentiles or, and he throws this in because he knows that this is going to become a problem as well, or to the church of God or to other believers. To the Jews, to the Greeks, we want to reach them with the gospel. To the church, we want to have unity with one another so that we bring glory to God. He says, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. What are we, to, what are we willing to limit ourselves from doing that we might reach someone that they might be saved. How are we willing to put ourselves out that we might reach someone that they might be saved? And Paul then says in verse, chapter 11, verse 1, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So glorify God in your body. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And in doing so, we will bring glory to him. There's a story called by, uh, written by Frederick Buchner. The story is called The Happy Hypocrite. It's a story of a man who was born with a facial deformity. He grew up alone and lonely. When reaching adulthood, he decided to move from his town to begin a new life. As he was moving to a different town, he discovered a beautiful mask that fit his face perfectly and that made him look handsome. The mask was uncomfortable at first, but he continued to wear it so that people would not be put off by the deformity in his face. In the new town, he made many friends. 
He fell in love and was engaged. But one day, a wicked woman from his hometown discovered who he really was, and she decided in front of his friends and his fiancée that she was going to humiliate him by forcing him to take off the mask. When he removed the mask, instead of a hideous face, there was a very handsome face because his face had conformed to the mask that he had been wearing. We are to put on Christ. And when we put on Christ, we become more and more like him. We look more and more like him. We talk more and more like him. And the Apostle Paul is saying here, be imitators of me as I am of Christ so that we can show Christ to a world that is dying and in need of a Savior. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Father, I pray that you would help us that we might be conformed to the image of our Savior. Help us, Father, that we might live our lives in such a way committed to Christ that we can say to others, follow me as I follow Christ. And Father, I pray that you would help us that we might not give offense to others, but that we might be pure in our worship of you. Help us that we will put no idols into our life. Help us that we might be completely committed to you. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.